Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our ministry when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Matthew 9.35 through 10.7 called The King of Compassion and Mission. Jesus looked at the people of his day and he saw stress and dejection and his reaction was compassion. And I think that says maybe everything we need to know about our Lord because compassion is a synonym for love. He felt a deep empathy for the people. And he didn't just say, ah, well, they'll figure it out or you know, maybe they'll get it together. No, we're going to see action associated with the king's heart. Spurgeon puts it this way, and Spurgeon always puts things so beautifully. He says, when Jesus saw the crowd in all ill plight, unfed, unfolded, unguarded, what will become of them? Our Lord was stirred with a feeling which agitated his inmost soul. What he saw affected not only his eye, but his heart. He was overcome by sympathy. His whole frame was stirred with emotion, which put every faculty into forceful movement. He is even now affected towards our people in the same manner. He is moved with compassion, even when we are not, close quote. And we often say, you know, in the Christian community, oh, that I would have the Lord's eyes and the Lord's heart. But it's one thing to say you see what you need to see. It's quite another thing that your eyes move to compassion and a movement of your heart. See, it doesn't matter if we just observe things, but we don't do anything about them. Then we're just on the sidelines. Jesus was moved with compassion. And Paul goes into the city of Athens. We're studying this on our Thursday morning Bible study. And he's waiting for some missionary partners. This is Acts 17. And while he's waiting, he observed the city of Athens, the philosophical center of the world back in the day. And he saw all these altars. And he saw the city literally smothered in in idolatry. They say 3,000 altars lined the agora or the marketplace. And Paul looked and it says he was irritated. One of my favorite verses in the Bible because it gives you biblical Reasons to be irritated, Acts 17, I think it's verse 16. Actually, he was provoked to jealousy for God's honor. He saw all these idols that could do nothing for the people. And Paul didn't go up on Mars Hill and say, I hope you all burn, you pagan pigs. That'd be one approach. (laughs) But that's not a Bible verse. Actually, what he did was he moved his, he was irritated, but he preached He ended up on Mars Hill in the Areopagus, kind of an ancient court, to talk about philosophies, different philosophies. And he preached the gospel, and he started with creation. And he said, look, I I see you guys are very religious. In fact, I even saw an altar to an unknown God. What you worship in ignorance, I'm now going to proclaim to you. And he started with creation, and he moved to the resurrection. And he showed God's heart, even in Athens, Greece. Yes, he was angry, but 
His anger for God's glory moved him to compassion for the people smothered in idols. That's all they knew. So we can either curse the darkness or decide to make a lighthouse in the gathering storm. Which should we choose? I think the answer is quite obvious. I want to ask another question, and it's this question. Why were the people of Israel in this situation? I want you to turn to Ezekiel 34. You say, Pastor Michael, where is Ezekiel? It's on page 1374 of my Bible. I'm going to give you a minute. Find the Psalms, go right. You're going to pass up Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, and then you'll get to Ezekiel. We'll put, we'll put it up on the screen, but I want you to get used to navigating your Bible because it's important. Ezekiel 34, verse 1. Why were they in this situation? I think this is for the time that Ezekiel writes, but it's certainly got prophetic uh, undertones. Ezekiel 34, 1, 1. It says, Then the word of the Lord came to me, to Ezekiel, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to those shepherds, 34, 1, Thus says the Lord God, Woe, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flock? Three, You eat the fat and clothe yourselves with the wool. You slaughter the fat sheep without feeding the flock. Those who are sickly, you have not strengthened. The diseased, you have not healed. Sound familiar? Jesus' mission. The broken, you have not bound up. The scattered, you have not brought back. Nor have you sought for the lost. But with force and with severity, you have dominated them. In 1 Peter 5, Peter tells the other elders among him, that we don't lord it over God's people, but we are examples to the flock. They were scattered for lack of a shepherd, five, and they became food for every beast of the field and were scattered. My flock, says the Lord, wandered through all the mountains and on every high hill. My flock was scattered over all the surface of the earth and there was no one to search or seek for them. You might want to write Ezekiel twenty-two thirty. I sought for a man to stand in the gap. I found no one. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, declares the Lord God, surely my flock has become a prey. My flock has even become food for all the beasts of the field for lack of a shepherd. No one to protect, no one to guide. And my shepherds did not search for my flock, but rather the shepherds fed themselves and did not feed my flock. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. 10. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I'm against the shepherds, and I will demand my sheep from them and make them cease from feeding sheep. So the shepherds will not feed themselves anymore, but I will deliver my flock from their mouth so that they will not be food for them. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I myself will search for my sheep. Remember, Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost and seek them out. He says in John 10, My sheep hear my voice know my voice and they follow me. As a shepherd cares for his herd in the day when he is uh, among his scattered sheep, so I will care for my sheep and will deliver them from all the places to which they were scattered on a cloudy and gloomy day. I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and bring them to their own land. And I will feed them on the mountains of Israel by the streams and in all the inhabited places of the land, you can't help but think of Psalm 23. He leads me beside quiet waters. I will feed them in good pasture, 
And their grazing ground will be on the mountain heights of Israel. There they will lie down on good grazing and feed in rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I will feed my flock and I will lead them to rest. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. Two chapters later, Jesus will say, and I will give you rest. I will lead them to rest. I won't put further burdens on them declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost, bring back the scattered, bind up the broken, strengthen the sick. But the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them with judgment. Skip down to verse 23. Then I will set over them one shepherd, my servant David. Some see this as the actual historical David, but he's, he's since dead when this is written. Some see this as the greater David. That would be the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me park here just for a second. When Alex preached to us last Sunday, the two blind men call out to Jesus and they say, have mercy on us or compassion. And what do they call him? Son of David. Now David, as a boy, was a shepherd. And when the prophet came to anoint the second king of Israel and came to Jesse's house, David wasn't even there. He was like the youngest of eight. And When the prophet was going through the sons of Jesse, he was like, no, not him, not him, not him, not him, not him. Do you have anybody else, any other kids? Well, there's the youngest and he's out taking care of the sheep and they called him in and the prophet anoints him right there. He anoints my head with oil. Now it would take a while until David took the throne, but here's the picture I want you to see. David, Jesus comes from the line of David, was a shepherd king, both offices, if you will. He serves as a shepherd, and often shepherds were trained to lead ultimately people. David, in the Old Testament, cast a shadow to the Messiah. And ultimately, when Jesus came as the greater David, the son of David, he was the ultimate shepherd king. And what he's saying is, my shepherds, the ones I put in charge of the people, have not done a good job, but there will be a time When my servant David, I the Lord will be their God, my servant David will be prince among them. And then he says, I the Lord have spoken. Now a little wrestling with whether that's speaking of Jesus or perhaps David in a future kingdom. I'll let you wrestle with that. Uh, Back to Matthew chapter nine. Lost sheep. Why do we end up with lost sheep? Joshua was appointed as a successor to Moses. Numbers 27, 17 through 28, or through 18, records that. The reins given to Joshua from Moses, Numbers puts it this way, that the people may not be like sheep without a shepherd. In 1 Kings twenty two seventeen, Micaiah, the prophet, has a vision, and he's predicting the death of Ahab, who was a wicked king along with his wife, 1 Kings twenty two seventeen. just write it down for your notes. So he said, I saw all Israel scattered on the mountains like sheep which have no shepherd. No shepherding speaks of a lack of leadership. There's no one to guide. And I could talk to you all day long about what's going on in the culture and I think most of you know what's going on in the culture. But my business is the church. And if shepherds in pulpits. You know that the word pastor, poimeno in Greek, 
just simply means a shepherd. If you were wondering why we're spending so much time on this, a pastor is a shepherd. And shepherds are called to feed, to protect the sheep from predators, and to guide. Now, we're not the only ones that are doing that job. You you have your own devotional life, and you ultimately follow the chief shepherd. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Pastor Michael invites you to watch our recent A Step Closer series with guest speaker Red Pen Logic's Tim Barnett. Believe it or not, if you have doubts and questions about your Christian faith, you're not alone. The recent deconstruction movement phenomenon has a number of Christians rethinking what parts of the Bible they identify with. But is the movement simply about having doubts? If deconstruction is just about asking questions, I'm just asking questions, I'm, I'm going through some doubts, then declaring war on it would be wrong and actually unbiblical. But if deconstruction is about leading people away from historic Christianity, then declaring war on it is completely appropriate and biblical. Pastor Michael invites you to watch our recent A Step Closer series with guest speaker Red Pen Logic's Tim Barnett. Download the free Walk-In Truth app available in your app store today. You can also listen to the first part of this conversation when you listen to Walk-In Truth on your favorite podcast app. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk-In Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. But there will be a time when my servant David, I the Lord will be their God, my servant David will be prince among them. And then he says, I the Lord have spoken. Now a little wrestling with whether that's speaking of Jesus or perhaps David in a future kingdom. I'll let you wrestle with that. Uh, Back to Matthew chapter 9. Lost sheep. Why do we end up with lost sheep? Joshua was appointed as a successor to Moses. Numbers 27, 17 through 28, or through 18 records that. The reins given to Joshua from Moses, Numbers puts it this way, that the people may not be like sheep without a shepherd. In 1 Kings twenty two seventeen, Micaiah, the prophet, has a vision and he's predicting the death of Ahab, who was a wicked king, along with his wife. First Kings twenty-two seventeen. Just write it down for your notes. So he said, "I saw all Israel scattered on the mountains like sheep, which have no shepherd. No shepherding speaks of a lack of leadership. There's no one to guide. And I could talk to you all day long about what's going on in the culture, and I think most of you know what's going on in the culture. But my business is the church." And if shepherds in pulpits, you know that the word pastor, poimeno in Greek, just simply means a shepherd. If you were wondering why we're spending so much time on this, a pastor is a shepherd. And shepherds are called to feed, to protect the sheep from predators, and to guide. Now, we're not the only ones that are doing that job. You you have your own devotional life, and you ultimately follow the chief shepherd But for want of shepherds, I look at our generation coming up right now and I I have to ask some questions. What happened to them? Why are so many deconstructing their faith? Why are they saying, oh, I don't want to believe this anymore or that anymore? Because the cultural winds 
are beating against the house. And because, frankly, many have not been equipped to handle the reality of being a Christian in any generation. Your life is not your own. And when you come to that conclusion, you will save yourself a lot of grief. You're a citizen of the kingdom. You've been bought with a price. And if you decide that the Lord's will will be what your life is about, it will simplify so many things. But our culture is about us. So everything on the moral scale is determined by what we want. Churches, we almost measure like we're going to a restaurant. We're going to score how long it was and, and whatever, where there's some good jokes in the sermon, etc. But that's almost irrelevant, brethren, because what we need is to be fed so we can go out into that world and proclaim the good news of the gospel. Amen? Amen. And to keep it simple, if you follow your shepherd this week, he will take you everywhere you need to go, whether it's to someone who needs to hear the gospel, whether you're praying about something specifically, you stay close to him and you follow him and he'll take care of everything else. It's really just that simple, but it's also just that hard because we're sheep, <laughs> right? And just when we think that, you know, the sheep's right behind the shepherd, off they go. And we know how we can be. I was even, I was going through Psalm 23 a little bit this week and it even says that his rod and his staff comfort me. Sometimes I need correction as a wayward sheep. When I was growing up, Grandma, my grandma, um, used to be, she'd sit in a chair and me and my sister would be watching television and she would throw things at us if we misbehaved. Whatever was there. TV guide. This is back in the day when there was a TV guide. What's the matter with you? And they were bothering one another. You get hit in the back of the head. And she would even use her shoe. And I could swear that her shoe was like a trained boomerang. We'd be acting up and she'd take her shoe off and it hit one of us, come right back to her. She'd put it in the pocket of her robe, blow on it a couple of times. That's the for that, you know. We come from an Italian family, in case you were wondering. And we're through one verse. Two verses, I think. All right, so what's the solution? Well, Jesus saw the people. He had sympathy for them. And he said to his disciples, 937 of Matthew, now switching metaphors to like a farm or a, a field with crops. The harvest is plentiful, it's great, but the workers or the servants are few. Now in switching metaphors, Jesus now moves into a field, maybe we could just say it this way. Let's say you were looking at an apple field and all these trees, the apples were ripe for the picking. And you surveyed, let's say, a huge apple orchard and you knew they were all ready and all you got to do is pick them. But the problem is that there's not enough workers and Jesus is basically saying, I'm the one that's been going around doing this stuff and I need you to do it as well. And this original plea is to the first century apostles because I... I want you to understand that when you read your Bible, not everything is said directly to you. I know that shocks some of you. <gasps> what do you mean it's not directly to me? Well, when Jesus said this, 
There was a, uh, a lot of disciples around, but there were not even really any official apostles. We're about to see that. And they're going to go out into the harvest, but I have some really good news. Over the last 2,000 years, the harvest has had a ton of workers go out into the mission field. Amen? In fact, we've reached much of the known world except for what missionaries call the 1040 window. And about a quarter of the planet claims to be Christian, maybe more. So this prayer or request has largely been fulfilled, but there's still work to do, amen? Because I look at America and I see a lot of lost sheep in America. In fact, I would argue if all the lost sheep in America came home, every church in our city would be filled. It's not like our culture is walking around without the underpinning of Christian values that's been around for a while. It's not ignorance. It's just that the cultural winds are gaining momentum. The harvest is plentiful. It's ripe for the picking. The problem is that there's not enough workers. I I don't want to tell you that this has all been remedied because even in the modern church, you know, sometimes we do feel like we're pulling teeth to get people off the bench and into the game. Jeremiah 2, 1 through 3 reads this way. Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, go and proclaim in the ears of Jerusalem saying, thus says the Lord, I remember concerning you the devotion of your youth, the love of your betrothals, you following after me in the wilderness when they left Egypt through a land not sown. Israel, Jeremiah 2, 3, was holy to the Lord, the first of his harvest. All who ate of it became guilty, even evil came upon them, declares the Lord. Notice, Israel was the first of his harvest. Salvation is to the Jew and then to the Gentile. You might ask, well, why does, why does Jesus just say, go to the lost sheep of Israel? Does he care, not care about Gentile nations? Yes, he does. It's, it's in the Great Commission. But this is why I, I say we need to know that the original commission in this section was to the apostles. Don't go the way of the Gentiles. Don't go to the Samaritans right now. I want you to first go to the lost sheep of Israel. And to contemporize it for us, I think about the lost sheep in America. I think about the underpinnings of our country, what it was built upon, what we stood for, and what's happening now, and how other nations must look at us now. And the question will become, as we go to the lost sheep in our culture, will we have another great awakening, a third great awakening? We need it so desperately, amen? We need it desperately. You've been listening to The King of Compassion and Mission, Part 2, on Walk in Truth. That was Pastor Michael's teaching in Matthew 9.35 through 10.7. And if you missed any part of today's program, Walk in Truth is always available on Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and many other podcast apps. Listen for free to Pastor Michael's teachings in more books of the Bible. And would you please tell a friend about Walk in Truth? We hope today's teaching will be a blessing and uplifting to someone you care about. Would you please encourage a friend or family member to listen to Walk in Truth on this station? If you're listening through your podcast app, please click the share button. Thanks so much for spreading the word about Walk in Truth. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word. As you look around, maybe, you know, lost sheep is a, a, a good metaphor for many people that you know. In your life, maybe you've watched some people walk away from the faith in your life. Some of you may even have a 
person influential uh, in your coming to faith who's now nowhere to be found, and they are wandering. Maybe you look at our country and you've you've heard people talk about how America was so dedicated to the Word of God and and so forth. Maybe you have questions about that. And now where we are today. You know, a lot of questions can come up when we think about wandering sheep, lost sheep. You know, Israel uh, was compared oftentimes to lost sheep. And, and they became lost largely because their leaders led them astray. Leadership is an important part of organizations, companies, families, and of course, churches, countries. So when we, when we think about lost sheep, we, we think about good shepherds. So let's, let's, let's just pause right there. Jesus is the good shepherd. He's called the shepherds of the flock, and I'm sure that there's pastors listening right now, to be faithful to lead them according to the Word of God. And so on a program like this, as you hear verse-by-verse teaching, one of the main ways that we lead is we feed. that We feed the sheep, and then we challenge the sheep to uh, use their gifts for God's glory. So we feed the sheep, but then we say, now it's time to minister. It's time to serve. We equip for service. That's what it's all about. We appreciate our Walk in Truth financial partners. You contribute to our ministry, broadcast, and podcast. As a thank you for your support, we've created the Walk in Truth app. If you'd like to become a Walk in Truth partner, any amount is appreciated. You can now give on the Walk in Truth app or visit walkintruth.com. And join us Monday for the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in Matthew 9.35 through 10.7 called The King of Compassion and Mission. I'm Mike Massaro. On behalf of Pastor Michael Lance and Living Truth Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people.